Hey guys, welcome to the C1 Church Podcast. I pray that this message encourages you, builds your faith, and helps you go after Jesus. If you'd like more information about C1 Church, please go to our website at c1.church. Enjoy the message and be blessed. God, we thank you for your goodness, Lord. We thank you that you are so faithful, God. I pray right now that you would continue to be here, Lord. I pray right now that you would continue to open up our hearts and our minds to you, God. You are so, so good, and you are so, so faithful. We praise you, and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. You may be seated. Well, it's been a while. Mother's Day, actually, is I think the last time I spoke, but I'm not holding it against Ryan. <laughs> He's counting, right? But you can, you're welcome. You guys will beat the Baptist to the restaurant. Phil, you might actually get an early seat at Poncho's. We all know that's where you're going, right? <laughs> well, like Ryan said at the uh, beginning of the service, we are taking a break. We've been in Hebrews for a while. And so we're taking a break for this mental health seminar that's coming up. And... Um, we, we are so excited. We have such anticipation for what is going to happen and how God is going to move in this mental health seminar. And um, when we were talking to Keisha j- just earlier this week, um, and she was, laying, she was telling us what the Lord had laid on her heart, it was just kind of like we were sitting at the kitchen table like, yes, that's, that's it. That's what, that's what people need to hear. And so we know that it is a word from God. And so, But with that said... We also believe that holistic health is something that is very, very, very important. And um, I was telling Ryan earlier and the staff earlier this week, um, it's been a very crazy, crazy week, but you always know that when God has a word and your week is crazy, that means that he's going to speak. And this message has, I, I I did just write it this week, but the thought came, probably almost a year ago, maybe close to a year ago. And, um, I was sitting in Franklin in a coffee shop with an old professor of ours. Um, we went to CBC together and, um, they are now missionaries. And so I was sitting there with him and his wife and, um, I'd never met his wife, oddly enough. I'd been at, at college and had him as a professor for several years. But it wasn't until, you know, 10 years after I graduated that I actually met his wife. And so she just sits down, we start talking, and, and she just starts asking me questions and everything. And, and so we started talking about the topic of health and, and what I've been doing and, and just kind of the road that the Lord has led me down. And so she just kind of paused, and she looked at me, and she said, have you ever thought about talking about this with pastors in your district? And I said, no, I haven't, actually. And she said, well, you know, maybe you should chew on that for a while. And so I was like, okay. And so I started praying about it, and the Lord just literally opened just doors that I never, I never dreamed that would, he would even open. And he just started downloading and confirming things in my, in my life and through friends that I had spoken to about the importance of mental, physical, and spiritual health and how it all ties together. And um, so we, when we did 
when we were thinking through sermon series and Ryan said, you know, I want you to speak to the church what what you spoke to the district and our pastor's um, district, I was like, that's totally different. I, I, was, I wrote this for towards pastors, so it's totally different to speaking it, you know, just not everybody here is in uh, full-time ministry and so, and, and has that burden of, of full, a full-time lead pastor or, or a church leader here. And so he was like, no, you can do it. So with all that said, this message has been rewritten probably three or four times and um, fast in prayer. And so if it's not good, it's the Lord's fault. I'm, I'm, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, so today we're going to talk about spiritual health. And, and whether you've been a Christian for 100 years or whether you've been a Christian for 10 minutes, spiritual health is so, so important. And um, I know that, okay, our screen is working. There is um, a slide that I want you to see um, that I think is so, so interesting. This was a study done um, a while back, and they just went through, let's see if, there it is. There it is. They just went through what would happen if a person reads the Bible four times, four times a week. These are statistics. These are real statistics of what would happen in your life if you read the Bible four times a week. Loneliness drops 38%. <clears throat> Anger issues drop 32%. Bitterness in relationships drop 40%. Alcoholism, 57%. Feeling spiritually stagnant drops 60%. Viewing pornography drops 61%. Sharing your faith increases 200%. Discipling others increases 238%. How about that? Isn't that amazing? It's just, and, and this is literally just the word of God. This is not, this is not, you know, sitting through church and, and, and talking with other believers. This is the word of God. This is what happens when you get into the word of God. You don't feel so lonely. You don't feel so tempted. You feel like there's something that you want to share with others. When I saw this, I thought, you know what? That is, that is so amazing, and it's so powerful, because what better... What a better thing to, to experience. It says, if you need personal revival, read the Bible. If you need personal revival, read the Bible. And so today we're going to discuss the spirit, uh, what, what I talked about, spiritual health, and, and just how that looks. I want you to keep that in mind when you're feeling like, you maybe, I don't have time to read the Bible, or, you know, I... I I, I don't know, I'll just read it just to check it off my list. Well, you're still reading it, and it's still doing something in your soul. So I want you to keep that in mind as we go throughout the day. But I want us to turn to John chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. And, and this is just Jesus speaking and talking about just bearing the fruit of what it looks like to be spiritually healthy, just bearing fruit. It says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do not bear fruit so that they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce 
fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be faithful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine and you are the branches. Those who will remain in me and I am in them. I will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me and is thrown away like a useless branch that withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciple. This brings glory to the Father. So the fruit that Jesus is talking about is, is, is the way that people know that you are a follower of Jesus. These are the things that are that, that make you distinguished. These are the things that, that the world seems that they think is maybe foolish, crazy, or that they don't have peace. So the things that Jesus is talking about here is it's the way that you love your spouse. It's the way that you love your neighbor. It's the way that you love your, your family. It's the way that you handle situations that are unfair. It's the way that, that you handle things that are coming at you that, that seem like that you don't deserve it. It's the way that you truly show who Jesus is. It's the way you talk about him. These are, this is the fruit that, that produces in you. This is a fruit that, that comes up that, that Jesus is talking about, that when, when we read our Bible and when we are close with him, then he prunes us. He gets the things out of our life that don't need to be there. He gets the things that, that, that may try to harm us. Um, I don't know if you guys noticed, but the bushes in the front are gone. Did anybody notice that? Yeah. But it looks nice. I think it looks very clean. Definitely looks like we need a paint. Um, so that, that happened. But um, if you noticed those bushes, because one day I was out there looking at them, like they were pretty bushes, but at the same time they had all kinds of vines, like because they hadn't been taken care of for a while. They haven't been pruned. They hadn't been cut back. They haven't, you know, people, no one's pulled the vines out. Like there was just all kinds of vines intertwined in them. And I'm probably right even more when it gets, when you got down there. I don't know. You're looking at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. You were here. You pulled them out, right? Okay. Were there vines? Okay. Jeez. Wake up, Ryan. He didn't have all of us coffee this morning. He shared it with Andy, which is a mistake because Andy never drinks the coffee. That was that was that was that was to you, Andy, wherever you are. Uh, but so there's these all these vines and these bushes, and and like so Jesus says, when he prunes you, he takes out those things that try to harm you, that try to choke you out. If you've had a garden, you know what I'm talking about. You can't let the weeds in. So you're pulling the weeds out. So Jesus is doing the same thing. He's, he's going through, and that's how, that's how we get spiritual health is we let the Lord sift through those things that are not good for us, those things that, that may seem like they belong there or they may seem like it's good and it's okay, but it's not because silently it's choking us out. So let's go on to verse uh, 19 through 17. We're still in John 15. says, I have loved you even as a father loved you. Remain in, in my love. When you obey my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I obey the father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy 
will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way that I have loved you. There is no greater love than one to lay down his life for a friend's. Or you are my friends. If you do what I command, I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now that you are friends, since I have told you everything that the Father told me, you didn't choose me, I choose you. I anointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask. Using my name, this is the command, love each other. I love in the verse where Jesus says, I have told you these things so that you will, that you will be filled with my joy. Your joy will overflow. So when Jesus is sitting here and telling his disciples this, it's not just that, it's not just for him, but it's for the joy that would overflow. He's telling these things so that we would be able to feel that joy. So we would be able to, to experience that joy that will overflow. It's amazing that when we are with, when we get into that close relationship with Jesus and we get there and we start to know the Father's heart, we can't help but be joyful. It's who he is. It's what he does. Even in the worst of circumstances, we can't help but to be joyful. Bearing the fruit or being faithful to living with Jesus will produce joy in your life. If you are faithful to Jesus, you will experience his joy. It's the overflow of knowing him and knowing who he is. It cannot be stopped, and he will not stop it because he knows what it can do to you in your life. So the first idea I want to give you about today about uh, spiritual health is a nourished soul produces unshakable faith. A nourished soul produces unshakable faith. So next week, we'll talk more about physical health. I want you guys to bring your sweatsuits and your tennis shoes. We're going to do some laps. No excuse, Larry. Bring your tennis shoes. <laughs> we, we are not doing that. I'm just kidding. But when you, when you um, I'm not going to get into it, but you know, in physical health, you have to nourish your body. And it's the same thing with, with our soul. A nourished soul produces unshakable faith. We have to nourish our soul. We have to nourish the things that God wants to speak to us. We have to nourish the things that he's already spoken to us. We have to, we have to continually read God's word and spend time with him to get encouraged to have our soul nourished. In Romans 8, 31 through 39, Paul says this, What shall we say about such wonderful things? If God is for us, who can be against us? That's encouragement. Since he did not spare his own son, but gave him up for all, won't he also give everything else? Who dares accuse us, who God has chosen his own? No one. For God himself has given us right standing with him. Be encouraged. No one, or who will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life. He is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. Be encouraged, church. Pleading for us. Can anything separate us from Christ's love? 
be encouraged. Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or persecuted or hungry or, dis- or dispute or in anger or threatened with death? Be encouraged. As scriptures say, for your sake, we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victories is ours through Christ who loved us. Be encouraged, church. And I am convinced that nothing can separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor any fears for today, nor worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. Be encouraged, church. No power in the sky above or the earth below, indeed nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love that God has revealed to us, Christ Jesus our Lord. Be encouraged. If you're not encouraged through reading through this, then you, need to, you really need to pray that the Lord will, will, will open up your eyes to what Paul is saying here. These verses, these verses are so encouraging for anyone who is going through anything, for anyone who just came through something, for anyone who is having just a great time right now, a great season in their life. These verses are encouraging because it lets us know that God loves us no matter what. It also lets us know that when we go through things, because hence we will, that he's there for us, that nothing can separate him, separate his love for us. So these are, these are the scriptures that when we look at and we see and we see, okay, this nourishes my soul. This nourishes my soul because it really tells me that I have, I have a God who cares for me. I have a God who loves me. I have a God who's going to bat for me. I have a God that, that does not give up on me. I have a God that in life or death or angels or demons is not going to let me fall. Be encouraged, church. Nourish your soul. Knowing that God is for us and nothing can separate us. Knowing that his love is for us. Knowing that Jesus Jesus is pleading for us. Jesus is at the right hand of God pleading for us. Which means that he, he's pleading on your behalf. Whether you don't know, if you don't know what to say, or you're just having a hard time, or, or maybe things are really great, but Jesus is there pleading for you. That is encouraging. And that's what reading God's word and spending time with him does. It encourages us. It nourishes our soul. Because in those moments where, where things are not good, or those moments where we're questioning God, because I don't know about you, but I've questioned God many, many times. But the one thing that stands strong that I know, that I know will never fail is his word. If you want unshakable faith, read your Bible. If you already read your Bible, read it some more. If you want loneliness to go down, read your Bible. If you want to learn how to share your faith, read your Bible. If you want temptation to flee, read your Bible. You cannot read your Bible and walk away 
not encouraged or thankful or full of joy or know that there's someone in your corner. It's life-giving, and that's what God's, God intended his word to be, life-giving. He intended it to, for us to, to turn to it because he knows that there are going to be moments in our life. He knew, and he's such a good, good God, and he's so gracious, but he knows that there are going to be moments in our life where there's nothing that we can do but to cry out to him and to spend time in his word. And even when he feels silent, what's the main thing that, that we always talk about how he speaks to us? Through the word of God. Another way, other than spending time with the Lord and um, reading our Bible, another way to nourish our soul is to just spend time with him in his presence. Spend time with him in just prayer. Whether it's on your way to work, or you know, maybe you're a morning person, or maybe you're an evening person, you're a night owl. I don't get you if you are a night owl. I'm sorry. I like, I'm usually in bed pretty early. We'll talk about that later, but um, spending time with God. And you, I mean, you know this, and I'm sure if you've been around church, you've heard it before. You can't be married to someone or, or want to get close to someone if you don't spend time with them, right? Like, you want to, to be with that person. You want to spend time with them. Those that have been married for several years, we won't say how many, but those that have been married for several years, you probably know your spouse pretty well. And how do you know your spouse pretty well? Spend time with them. If you are, even if you're dating or if you're in a long-distance relationship, I know, like, when we were dating, we were in a long-distance relationship. But, I mean, it wasn't really that long. It was like an hour and a half. But Ryan was like a little puppy. He didn't even know what to do when I wasn't around. He kept calling me nonstop. I'm like, dude, calm down. You don't have to talk to me every second. He's like, yes, I do. So he's very needy if you haven't if you haven't figured that out yet. But he always wanted to talk to me. And I'm the type of person where I'm like, I've I've literally talked to you for like an hour. What more do we, what more can we talk about? And he's like, we can just stay on the phone. I'm like, no, I have things to do. I'm not going to stay on the phone and it's going to be pointless. Like, if you have something to say to me, say it, and then we'll be done. So, but he really, it's really amazing that we're still married. <laughs> so, but, I mean, he always wanted to be there. He always wanted to spend time with me. I remember when he would drive up, and at the time I was living at my brother and sister's house, and um, he would drive up, and, and he would spend, you know, like, like not, it would be like nine o'clock, and I'm like, "Are you gonna go home? You have like an hour and a half drive." No, I'll go home in a little bit. And I'm like, "Oh my gosh, when is this guy ever gonna leave?" And I'm like, "Okay, it's t it's ten o'clock. I think you probably should go home. You know, you have an hour and a half drive. I can make it. I'll be. I can sleep in tomorrow." I'm like, okay. Eleven o'clock rolls around. Okay, leave. Like, leave now. Like, you you have to leave. And and finally he would leave, and it would be like pushing him out the door because all he wanted to do was spend time with me, which was very, very sweet now that I think about it. But super annoying at the moment. And so when you love someone or you want to spend time with someone, you just want to hang on to that. And you just want to, to be there with that person. 
and you want to be in the presence of that person. And that is another way that we nourish our souls. We spend time with the Lord. We spend time in his presence because nothing is ever wasted in the presence of God. Your time is never wasted with him. And about, um, about a year ago, the Lord started really dealing with me about being more disciplined in my spiritual life. And um, I noticed that I would get up and I would go to the gym, and then I would read my Bible here and there when I would have time. And the Lord really started to convict me on that because I, I love being active. I love it. I love, like, I'm, I can't, like, sit for very long. I like to be moving. I like to be active. And I really, really enjoy going to the gym. It's one of my hobbies, I would say. And, but the Lord started con- to convict me on that. You're making this a priority before you're making me a priority. So I also really, really love sleep. Like, really, really love sleep, right? Like, it's amazing. And Ryan and Andy always make fun of me because they're like, oh, Grandma, you going to bed at 8 o'clock? Yeah, yeah, I am. So who cares? I love to sleep. Peyton gets that from me, my son. He loves to sleep and eat. That boy, give him a bed and some food, and he's had his day made. But I I love to sleep. And so getting up, I, I do like to get up early, but I like to get up early with a purpose. And so the Lord just started laying that on my heart. And so I started waking up early for everyone in the house. I started, I set my alarm. I started waking up early and to read my Bible and to, to spend time with the Lord. And at first it was hard because I wanted to hit my snooze button. And then it was also uncomfortable because I had to get up out of my warm bed and do something that, that I, I, I enjoyed, but at the moment I was like, I have to do this. But then as I started spending time with the Lord and started making it more a, of a discipline and a habit, I actually really started to look forward to it. The night before, I'm like, yes, I get to get up early. So much that one time Ryan got up early, and I was like, go back to bed, I'm spending, <laughs> you're, you're, you're like taking up on my time. But I started making a, um, just kind of a routine. Started setting the coffee pot, thank the Lord for coffee. Started setting the coffee pot in the evening. I get up, I grab my cup of coffee. I, I've been going out on the back deck, but then it got too cold and dark. But I just sat there with a coffee in one hand, my Bible in the other hand, and I, I said to myself, I'm not going to turn on my phone. I'm not going to look at Facebook. I'm not going to look at any social media. I'm not even going to look at text messages until I read my Bible. And it became more than just that, that cup, of, cup of coffee became more than just some caffeine in the morning to wake me up. It became so nourishing. I enjoyed it to where I look forward to it every day. And when I don't do it, I miss it. Because it's nourishing. There's something about being in the presence of the Lord. And let me tell you, sometimes before my feet hit the ground, I already feel defeated in that morning. But that doesn't change the fact that I still need it. That doesn't change the fact that I've told the Lord that I have a date with him at 6.15 in the morning. And there are some mornings where I'm excited and I'm ready to go, but then 
some mornings where I'm like, I don't want to do this. I know what's coming today. I know the hardships that are coming today, and I don't really want to face it. But, you know, it's so much better to face it when I've been in the presence of God and I, when I've read his word than to face it without it because it encourages me and it lifts me up. Man, i got to get through this before Bill gets angry. He thought he was going to lunch early. If you put your faith in Jesus, spiritual health is not something you should do. It's something that you are. You are spiritually healthy. You are continuously working on it. So there's a difference between knowing and believing in who God is and, and, and making it a priority to know who he is and to know because when, the, when you know who God is and those times come up and it just is really hard, it makes it so much easier to get through those situations. And, and we serve, we, we serve not only a big God, but we serve the almighty God, the one that set the stars in the sky, the one that knows everything that we're going, going to go through, the one that knows everything that we are going to go through. He's just waiting for us. He's just waiting for us. The second thing I want us to, to look at is a spiritual reality is a greater reality. Spiritual reality is a greater reality. Ephesians 6, 12 says, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against the evil rulers and the authorities of the unseen world, against the almighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. We have to understand that the spiritual wor world is real. And if you love Jesus, you have, a, you have a target on your back. Followers of Christ have a target on their back, and some followers of Christ have bigger targets, and some followers of Christ have smaller targets. But you have a target on your back. If for one minute you think that you are surrendering your life to the God Almighty and trying to follow Jesus and your life has been submitted to him, if there's one moment where you think that you're not going to have pushback from a real enemy, you've got it wrong. Because he wants nothing better than to destroy you, and he hates the fact, he hates the fact that you, you've surrendered your life to Jesus. Spiritual reality is the greater reality. When we are Christians, we're not just trying to do good and be, be a good Christian. We are fighting against, what, what does it say in Ephesians? We're fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers of the unseen world. Things that want to destroy you. We are fighting against things that, that want to take presence over Jesus in your life. Peter 1 8 through 9 it says stay alert watch out for your great enemy the devil he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour stand firm against him and be strong in your faith remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are you are are prime meat for the enemy when Jesus is Lord of your life. So when we when we f 
feel hardships and when we're going through stuff, it's, it's really to be expected, honestly. It's really to be expected. You know, we kind of joke because every, we, we do a, a church fast in every January. And we kind of joke like, okay, well, what's going to happen this January? Because it, no, it does not fail. Every January or February, I don't remember, February? Yeah, every January, February, not January, in February, we do this fast and we commit ourselves to the Lord to fast something and to spend more time with him. And it, it seems like that month is the month from hell. It really is. Because it's like everything that can go wrong goes wrong. And we know, we know, we know because we know the spiritual reality is a greater reality. We know it's pushback. We know the enemy's trying to discourage us. We know that things are coming against us. My gosh, last January you casted out demons, February, right? Then our daughter's attitude went insane. We're like, we don't even know who this is. And one thing after another and after another, you have to recognize the moments in your life that are not from God and those things that are trying to tear you away from him because a spiritual reality is the greater reality. I'm not the type of person that says there's a devil under every rock, but I know that there is a devil wanting to destroy me. And being keen and intentional of saying, okay, this is not from God, or saying, you know what, this is, this is the enemy trying to derail me, is how, is how you are spiritually healthy. When you're spiritually healthy, you know and you can recognize his schemes way more than when, when you're just like, just teetering, teetering your relationship with the Lord. Oh, it's just unfair. I've just hit a bad luck. Versus, this is not of God. And I'm not going to stand for this because my God is greater. We cannot be naive in thinking that things won't change for you spiritually when you get serious about your relationship with the Lord and when you start nourishing your soul. Your target gets bigger and bigger and bigger as you go into a more deeper, deeper, deeper relationship with the Lord. But I know that sounds like, well, I would even want to go into a deeper relationship with the Lord if I'm just going to keep you know, getting targeted. You know, it's so crazy how... God can turn it all around and he can really make those situations something so beautiful that we, we can't even imagine or dream that would come out of it. You know, the Bible says what the enemy means for harm, the Lord will turn to good. And he will always have your back and he will always be there for you. But that is where being spiritually healthy helps you stand against the schemes of the enemy because they will come. So don't be surprised when you start nourishing your soul that you start feeling pushback. Don't be surprised if you're starting feeling something is off or something out of the ordinary is happening. Don't be surprised if the devil's not there trying, trying to derail you, trying to get you off. I don't even know how many times we've gone through and anointed our house with oil. There's probably so much oil in there you could fry an egg. It's olive oil, though, so it's a healthy fat. But seriously, 
I mean, we have, like, one of my prayers every morning is that the Lord will put protection over my children, their mind, their body, and their soul. Because children have a way of um, attitudes changing very easily. <laughs> it's a nice way to put it. And can cause a shift in the whole family. And I, I've started noticing shift when my daughter is around things or around kids that um, might be talking about things or, you know, and, or I don't know how I put this. People that don't believe the same things that we believe, we know that there is something there. And praying over our kids every day is so vital and so important because their minds are so moldable. And there is an enemy that is wanting to devour a generation. And if you don't have young children in your home and you have grandkids or great-grandkids or nieces or nephews, whatever it may be, cover them in prayer because their minds are so moldable right now that the enemy is trying to get in. Every little nick and cranny, whatever that saying is, he can get into. Spiritual reality is a greater reality. And the third and final thing I want to talk about. Spiritual health overflows to every area of our life. When you start down this road of, of spiritual health, or maybe you are in this road of spiritual health, you, you feel like you're, you've got a good, uh, you feel like you're, you're spiritually healthy. And, you know, I mean, not all of us are ever going to be the amazing, most spiritual, healthy person ever. There's always going to be work that has to be done. The Lord is always going to mold us and shape us. No matter if you've been serving the Lord for 100 years or for 10 minutes, he's working in our lives. But when you start down this road of spiritual health, it will overflow into every area of your life. The Lord will enhance every area of your life. You will start to see areas that, that maybe you didn't even know need worked on, that, that the Lord is overflowing. Joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, self-control, all of these things start to overflow. It's a, natural, it's a natural reaction to having a spiritually healthy life. You become more aware of who he is and how much he loves you. And you are, start to understand the grace that our Savior has for us. You start to understand his grace because you know that he is a good God. Because you read about him. You see it. I've been reading in Genesis with, um, I just got done reading about Noah. And I thought, man, what did Noah, what, what separated him from all of the wicked people on this face, the face of the earth? The Bible says that he walked closely with the Lord. That he had an intimacy there. But not only did he have an intimacy, Noah himself, but because of Noah's intimacy, God saved his family. 
And then you start to read everything that happened after, um, after the flood, and everything was destroyed. And, and just, just to, it's mind-blowing to think that everything on this, the, the planet Earth was destroyed except for this one boat. And then you start to read about all of the, the things that happened in the times to come after, with Noah and his children and, and all these things. And God still spared them knowing that they would be an evil people, that they would continue going down evil ways and they would continue to serve fake gods. Like, how good is God to know that, yeah, he flooded the earth. Okay, yeah, that stinks. But he also saved someone who was so spiritually healthy. And then their kids, his, their kids got to see the benefit, got to dwell in the presence of, of the overflow of what Noah's life was. They were saved. And then they got to repopulate the earth. The Lord said, go and po- repopulate Go and be fruitful in all the land. Go, you know, it's, it's very much like with Adam and Eve. Go and be fruitful. Go repopulate the earth. So they did. And then God, he knows, since he knows everything, he knew down the line that people were still going to turn to false gods. And he still said these people were worth saving. So how do you know how do you know these things? It's, it's an overflow of being spiritually healthy. When you keep filling up a cup, you know, you, you fill up a cup and it just overflows. What happens underneath the cup? It overflows onto the surface underneath it. Everything gets wet. Everything, everything around this cup gets touched with the overflow of what was in the cup. It's going to happen in every area of your life. The overflow of being spiritually healthy, the overflow of having an intimacy with God is going to overflow in every area of your life. Your relationships are going to get better. Your mind's going to get stronger. You're going to be more desired to be disciplined in other areas of your life. The things that you go through the hardships, the times that you go through, somehow there's going to be a sweet side to that. All because you are strong enough spiritually to know God is in your life and he is good, even in times of despair. People around you will notice God will take you to a deeper place. He will start to reveal things to you. He will start to to work on your heart and your mind. He will start to work on your attitude towards things. You will start to want to become more like Jesus. Not just, I, I have to be, because I have to be a good Christian. There's a difference between, I have to be a good Christian, and I want to be a good Christian. So out of all these things that we're all these three things that we're going to talk about over the next month, over um, you know all through October, spiritual, physical, and mental health. Spiritual health is most important because it affects your mental and your physical. 
So that definitely does not mean that we have to downplay mental health and physical health because they all have a place. And it is so interesting as I started to really pray about this this message and really pray about these things that the Lord had, had laid on my heart, I started to see how it all started to come together and how all of it is related and how the Lord wants us to be mentally, physically, and spiritually healthy. God connects these three things, and it's crazy how he connects them, but he does. God doesn't want a super spiritual person walking around thinking that they're God's gift to humankind. He just wants obedience. And he just wants people who want him. He wants genuine people who want to see Jesus glorified. Being spiritually healthy doesn't mean that you have to, you know, hold such a high standard and never do anything wrong and people can't ever see you struggle. That's not what it means. It means quite the opposite, actually. That when you are struggling, you say, I'm getting through it because of the Lord. You're giving him, you're giving him the credit wow, you're doing really good no matter what you're going through. It's not me, it's the Lord. Perfection will lead you further away from Jesus because you're constantly thinking you're not good enough and you're always trying to do more. In reality, Jesus doesn't want you to be good enough. He just wants you. You don't have to be perfect you don't have to have this perfect spiritual life where you, you, are, you are constantly, always in prayer on your knees. That would be great, and that is how spiritual revival happens. But you don't have to be perfect. You just have to want him. You just have to make him Lord of your life. You just have to desire who he is and what, and not, not, what, not for what he can do for you, but for who he is. Like, God, I know you can change this situation, but I'm going to praise you whether or not you do change the situation. I'd like us all to stand in a moment uh, as we close and as Andy gets ready to sing. As I was um, looking over my message last night, I was outside on our back deck hearing my son scream for me in the bathtub. I'm like banging on the door, Ryan, shut him up. I'm praying. Um, But as I was sitting there and I was thinking, okay, Lord, I know, I know that you've given a word and and I know that, that you, you are going to do your thing tomorrow. But what is something else that, that you want to say to your people? And the word pure heart came into my mind. I want a people with pure heart. A pure heart that, that worships God for who he is, not, not for what he can do. 
people with a pure heart that says, God, this may be a tough situation I'm going through, but you are good. A pure heart that doesn't want you on a pedestal, but wants Jesus on the pedestal. And I don't know what that looks like for you. I don't know how you purify your heart before the Lord. I know what it looks like for me. God, search me. Give me a pure heart. I have no desire to be lifted up on a pedestal. If you, I have no desire, but you, Jesus, you are the one that should be lifted up. Maybe a pure heart looks different for you. Maybe it's forgiveness. Maybe it's forgiving someone that's hurt you. Maybe the pure heart is just saying, God, whatever you have for my life, I'm willing and I'm ready. So as Andy leads us, I want us to, um, I want us to think about what that pure heart looks like for us, for you as an individual, not for us as a church, because I do know one thing. I, I have an, an, Ryan and I, we both have an anticipation of how God is going to use C1 Church. And we know that he's going to use it. But I also know that when each person individually seeks the Lord, when each person individually comes before him with a pure heart, I can't imagine what God's going to do here. So as we go into this, um, Ryan will be up here. I will be up here. If you need prayer, we would love to pray with you. But I want you to really seek the Lord. What does it mean for me to have a pure heart? Let's worship.